everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing in life because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can learn more about Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA and their fabulous yearly writers' conference at PNWA. Org. Uh, okay. Oh, we got a great author, Bonnie Jo Campbell. She's got a new book out, The Waters, which has received tons of critical acclaim and gotten a lot of attention. And she <laughs> she stopped on her tour for a public library and talked to us. And it was great, man. We just dove right in. Just dove right in. And those are the favorite kind of conversations for me. I hope you enjoy it. If you're not familiar, she's the author, like I said, The Waters. That's her new book, which was the Today Show's January selection for their Read with Jenna book club. The Waters also uh, was featured on Daily's list, or Oprah Daily's list of best books of 2024. Her, it also received starred reviews in Booklist and Forward, as well as raves from Ron Charles at the Washington Post and Jane Smiley from the Los Angeles Times and the Christian Science Monitor's staff. Uh, Roxane Gay's newsletter, The Audacity, featured The Water as an anticipated book and Campbell's other uh, novels include Once Upon a River, a national bestseller which was adapted into a full-length feature film released to international acclaim in 2020, and Q Road. She's got short stories, and she's won all these awards, and oh my goodness, but it's been a long time coming, uh, almost eight years writing this book, and she released it, and we got to talk about it, and I'm glad I get to share that conversation with you now. Enjoy. Oh, look at it. Look at her. Bonnie Jo Campbell. She's got a new book out. She's sitting in a public library. She's so dedicated to publicity <laughs> that she was willing to do it. Bonnie, how are you doing? Great, great. Yep, it's great to be at the Kenosha Public Library. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a glamour. It's a, Kenosha's a great town, and they've got a great library. Are you, are you uh, on, like, a kind of still on book tour a little bit, or are you just going about your business? Yeah, I am. It, it's kind of surprising when when suddenly you know you're living the dream and suddenly you're popular. It means you don't you're not home very much. So you've been popular before. This is not the first <laughs> time you've been popular. But how long were you working on the water? Okay, here it is. Here it is for the YouTube viewers. The waters. Oh. Beautiful book. Beautiful book. Oh. Um, how long were you working on it? Long time, long, long time. time. You know, you know, this is true of all my books. Like yeah. that's the secret is that working on just, I mean, working mainly on this book was about eight years. And however, when I look back at pieces of it, there even some of the pieces wow. were even inspired before that. Oh, and and this, wow. it's the same thing with my, with my previous novels is that when I look back, I was thinking, you know, it was the seeds of it were oh. in my mind for even longer. You said you were working on this for eight years, but this it wasn't eight years since your last book was released. It was, yeah. It was oh. 2015, uh, 2016, uh, that 
actually late in 2015. Wow. Okay. So it's mothers tell your daughters was out. Yeah. Okay. And you know, it's been a heck of a time. I don't know about you. Yeah, Bill, no, that's been an eventful few years that you were writing. Through. So I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on and you a, know, you get older, people are getting sick and yeah. people are dying and you're trying to take care of them. And, yep. and then you want to write your books too. Yeah. And you, you hope you're getting smarter. You know, are you, do you feel like you are, you know, I think I might be, I might be smarter or I might just be nervier, you oh, know, because huh. this book, this book, I kind of went out on a limb and, you know, I kind of, it's kind of a philosophical book a little yeah, bit for sure. You know, it's, for sure. It's, it's staking a claim about how the world is put together. You know, and, I'm glad you did that. And I'm glad you said it. Cause I, if I have one gripe, with fiction writers i love them as people but it's wanting them to go ahead and make a go ahead and put your flag down somewhere it's okay like i know you have to show and don't tell which is you know artistically speaking but i do think artists have to be willing to say what it is they actually think is true and what they actually because at the end of the day there's things you trust and things you don't and things you've learned that you can't unlearn and the things you won't do again you know we you don't you're not 13 anymore and you know you've probably made some decisions about things and that's okay what do you think yeah i'm on board with you because i i actually think for for those of us who love to read fiction yeah we that's why we're reading fiction we're, yeah. we're it's all about making as fiction writers it's about making meaning out of these yeah. events yes you yes. can say oh we're just showing things but no, we're making meaning. We're showing them in a way that we're making a claim that this matters. And and this is why this matters. And the way we tell the story is making the case why this matters. Absolutely. Like you're making choices. And every time you make a choice, it's one thing, not the other. And you're making it for a reason. And you may not be able to articulate. And that's okay. like you might feel it, know it in, intuitively. Sometimes you know things and it's hard to, you know it emotionally more than you can express it intellectually or it might not work but you still are aiming for something and every time you make a choice you are doing it for a reason and i think it's dishonest to say i leave it entirely up to the audience i mean <laughs> well, they're going to make their own decisions anyway i mean they're going to make their own decisions anyway right you like there's nothing but still you have to have your own intention ah yeah, I, I think so. Or you have to come to your own conclusions that are yes. probably slightly different than what you intended when you oh, set out to write for the sure. book. <laughs> I, for sure, because you do you do have to, I always say that a story idea comes to me in service to me. In other words, I had a desire, but then I'm in service to it. The telling of it, I then am in service to it. Does that make sense? Like it shows me what I'm meant to learn from it. Yeah. And, and when you take like eight, eight and a half yeah. years to write a book, yeah. <laughs> you got to listen, you got to listen to what's, you know, what that yeah. thing on the page is telling. I mean, because this, this book changed so much. I mean, it, it was a, it was a much, I mean, it, at one point the book swelled to almost 700 pages. Oh, and, yeah. Wow. Well, the thing is, like you said about choices, this, this book is told in the omniscient point of view, Yeah, which means I I can be anywhere as the narrator, the narrator can be anywhere. Yeah. And so, and the narrator can also be everywhere and telling like it can be God's point of view. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, 
every, at every point, even if I know what's going to happen, which that takes me a long time to even figure out what's going to happen in the book, but right. I have to know wh what point of view to be in. Do I want to be in one of the characters' point of view, or do I want to be outside the point of view saying, you know, here we are at this party, and this is what this party means. Yeah. And so, so yeah, you, it's so many choices and, and just an agony of choices. I, I always feel like when I'm deep in these, in a book, I can't decide what I want for dinner. Like I'm just burned out. As you said, I've made enough choices today. Just, yeah. I'm just like, feed me world, feed me. Just you know, bring me something. It's funny. I was talking about this. I might. I have this friend who's a writer, but he he really like he's so intuitive. He doesn't ever want to plan anything, and so he never knows what he's going to eat. And I'm like, no, Chris, it's Monday. I'm having tacos. <laughs> Wednesday, I'm having pot. We had my wife and I have our meals laid out because we're both writers, and it's like I just want to know. I, I oh, don't want to think about great. it at the do end. Do you actually do you actually plan it out in advance? No, it's not planned. It's just every Monday we're having the same thing, <laughs> pretty much. There's a few <laughs> days. There's a little wiggle room, but no, there's almost no. I love that. I think I could. Well, you know how I eat. This is terrible. What I eat is every day I I actually write at my writing shack. So I'm at. Oh, the oh shack. nice. You and uh, and what's his name? Who, who did James and the Giant Peach? And what you know? Um, Ronald oh, yeah. had a writing shack, right? So you yeah. and I got a shack. It's on the river. So oh, I'm nice. on a river shack. Okay. It was an old. It was an old meth house. So it's perfect oh, for a writer. Geez. It's got a lot of stories in it. We, <laughs> no. The husband and I had to turn it from the meth the meth shack into the writing shack. Okay. So, so I get I get back to the house and I basically I stand at the stove and I cook an onion and then I then I look around and I say what else is there I, I chop up an onion and start frying it and then I'm like what else is there I I should be like you I should just plan. no make the make the recipe make the menu up ahead of time but just like I know I think you're it. right I uh, I had a friend who who used to make a. He actually had a chalkboard in his kitchen, but he was trying to make something different every day. Oh, I like your style of nah, like, no, this is Thursday. This is Thursday. It's pasta. Let's you go think, with the this pasta. is this is how I've rolled for years. Thank my my wife and I think alike, so it works with us in that way. So oh, yeah. I was really actually interested in the tone you you opted for in in this book because to me the first thing I thought of, and I don't think you intended. Well, I don't know what you intended, but it felt it had a quality of fairy tale or myth somewhere between myth. And it could, even though someone's a lawyer and there's doctor, like there's a lot of very modern -y stuff. The tone felt like it was something like mythical almost to me. I don't know if you intended that, but that's how it read to me. That's how it felt to me. Well, this is what happened over time. And I, I, I did not intend to write a fairy tale like story, a mythy yeah. story. Right. But what happened is, and I feel like this was a whole education for me. What happened is that as I tried to be, I mean, I'm known as the gritty writer, right? My right. reputation is like gritty details. That's right. what I'm about. Right. Gritty right. details. No, don't pretty anything up. You know, I'm all about the noir, the country. Right. Noir, Rural noir. Rural noir. noir, right? Who knew yeah, well, there's such a thing? Right. I know. <laughs> so, so that's what I was all about. And I'm like, right. I'm going to give every detail, and I'm going to stare at nature also. Okay. Which okay. I'm going to stare at nature, and I am going to study the swamp, and I'm going to present to you the swamp as the the reader gets the whole swamp. But right. what happened? Right. The more after a certain after a few years, 
of writing this book and rewriting and rewriting, what happened is something sort of magical started happening as a result of paying close attention to detail. Yeah. And this myth, mythic thing started rising off the page and I had no intention of it, but, and this has happened before. I could tell you how it happened before as well, but this happened before and it started happening again. And what I, what I'm realizing is that, okay, we think of fairy tales or myths in some way as being, oh, those are the basic stories. Those are the simple stories. Right. Right. Okay. But they're, they're not exactly that they're, they are, they're the most essential stories. And if we are being true to our material, totally true and as honest as we can, like I really don't bullshit as a writer. Right. I, I can't even have an outline because that would restrict me. I that's have it. to, that's it. I have to be so true to the material. Right, right. And what happens if you're really true to your material, the old stories start rising up through your material you right. get in you get in touch with the old stories because the old stories are the ones that are always true that's yeah. that's what fairy tales are well, fairy tales and myths they're always true and you us writers we can get to that yeah. but it might take eight and a half years well it might and, but i think one of the things i like about the concept of myths and fairy tales is they aren't rooted in a time in other words my my wife's a writer and she says, I don't ever want people to think a thing I'm writing is about this time. I always want it to feel like it's about every time, but it has to be placed somewhere in some place. But you want it to, I always think that ultimately you want to feel like it's out of time. Like, yes, these things physically are happening now, but what is being talked about could have been talked about anywhere and at any time. Because it's something essential about being human, which is what the myth, you know, the the myth, certainly the 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 hero's journey myth. That, that Joseph Campbell found that applies everywhere, every time, if you want it to, right? It's not just the Knights of the Round Table, obviously. Yeah, because we want these stories to work. And, and you know, I'm like you, I try to, I try to avoid letting people pin it down. Right. However, in order, there is a weird thing that had to happen because there was so much nature in the book uh -huh. that I had to be, so much nature and also things were happening on certain days of the week. So I had to actually, at a certain point, I had to stop being completely abstract and I had to pin it down in a moment of time. Yeah. And I didn't like doing it, but I'm glad I did it oh. because what that allows you to do, if you pin it down, it means if you're following your story carefully, then you can make sure, yes, this can be a full moon because I had a full moon here. And so what I based all that stuff on, the full moons, the weather, yeah. everything is based on 1999 to, to 2000. Uh, so yeah. I was able to, so I had to consult all the time. Okay, if this is May, if this is the middle of May, then I got to make sure there was a full moon in the middle of May. Oh my because God. What I, what I figure is it had to be true. It had to be possible at some point okay you know so I you mean? Cause because even though nobody 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 except for the most annoying <laughs> close reader is going to know say in fact there was no full moon in uh, may of 2020 <laughs> i know but aren't you afraid of that annoying person i i, I like, yes <laughs> i suppose so i i interviewed a, um 
Margaret George, the historical no- novelist, and she's like, oh, oh, like my fans, oh my God, she says, you can't, if you get anything wrong, they will let you know. Oh, but- I'm telling you. Yeah, they're brutal. I have to assume, as much as I love my readers, <laughs> I have to assume that they are hostile. I have to assume... <laughs> I have to assume that I, if I have a typo, they are gonna, they're just gonna leap with joy. Right, they got you. They're gonna with glee, and I have to assume, like, if I get the full moon wrong, they're just gonna be like, she's an idiot. So, so I work really hard to get like all these ridiculous. You know, I had to at the very last minute of the book. There's a, there's a crow at the end of the book. And the crows are really important in the book yeah. because they're they're kind of always above looking down and they have yeah. opinions. They actually have opinions in the book. So, but at the end of the book, I had this crow on a nest looking down. And then I just thought for a minute and I had to go look that up and I'll be damned. In June, the crows in Michigan are not on their nests. So I had to actually go change oh, that. I, I so wouldn't have changed it. <laughs> All right, so you, st- you 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 want to get the details right. I appreciate it. But on some level, don't you think what's happening there? I mean, yeah, you fear that your readers are going to be... But there's a sense of like, I want it to be true. And maybe that is your psychological need to say, I, no, I really want true. So if they couldn't do it, they couldn't do it. And so there's factual truth, there's emotional truth, but you just want a whole sense of truth. Do you think that's going on? I want it to be possible, at least. And so watching, for example, watching the full moons, that just makes sure I don't accidentally put two full moons like two weeks apart, you know? Oh, right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, ooh, this scene calls out for a full moon. It's like too bad, Bonnie. You can't well, it's sort have- of like in uh, in this in, in film, there's the continuity. There's a person whose whole job was you. Well, you had one of your movies. One of your books was made into a film. Congratulations. And there's a whole person whose job is to make sure they're wearing the right sweater and their tie is done right. And, you know, that it's the same thing throughout. And if they didn't, yeah. the film nerds will catch it. And they will tell them. <laughs> Because sure. they can just they can just back up the film. And That's look. right. Yeah. Freeze frame the it. book. They would have to actually read back, and they're they're most readers are not going to go back and read, but they might. So, all right. So it's been eight years. My question to you is uh, the difference between what we're doing. I mean, you have your own podcast. Congrats. Have hope you're oh. having fun with that. Um, <laughs> is yeah, my in- podcast is just where I basically talk to the plumber and to the to the to the guy at the cafe. All right. Well, if they want to talk to you. That, that's fine. But um, my point is you spent eight years in the in the bubble, in the in your in your creative cocoon. And then you come out Then you come out and you talk to people like me and readers. Do you is it like uh, is it do you is it a little disorienting or have you done it often enough that you're used to the difference between the seclusion of writing and the public facing self who then talks about this book? It is. It's a great question because I got to tell you, when when I started talking to people, like, you know, the book came out January 9th. And so I started talking to people maybe at around a little bit before Christmas or middle of right, December. Right. I was mortified. I was terrified. Why? Because I just didn't have, you know, I, first of all, I didn't have the confidence because the book hadn't come out. And I got a couple early reviews that I think the Kirkus review was kind of nasty. It was kind of nasty. Oh, And, you know, and those couple of early ones were like, 
they actually that just that one was and so I, but also i just wasn't confident it, it you know i just wasn't confident and i didn't know and like I, I didn't know if people would like the book. And and yeah. also, you know, I think it was what you're saying. It's that transition from yeah. I'm alone in my room. And well, I'm not alone. I'm talking to my husband where, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, but I'm looking at I'm at Christmas Day. I was in the river pulling stuff out of the river. You know, I'm I'm doing all I'm with my dog. Yeah, but you're alone I, with the work. You're alone with your. Yes. You're in a room else, no one else can enter. Yeah, nobody else was in my business with yeah, the work. Yeah. You know, I was in my business with the donkey barn. The donkeys, right. they don't care. They don't care. <laughs> right. They don't care about my work. Right. So, so like suddenly people like asking up close and personal questions about my characters. Like in a weird way, I was almost a little bit like, well, just read the book. Why are you asking me these questions? Right. You know, why, why are you getting in here? And then also like kind of acting like, well, I don't know. I don't know about it. You know. Well, that's don't you have to learn? I mean, the, my last books were are, were nonfiction kind of uh, personal growth type books. And so it, I have a very particular way I have to talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. But and you have to get your your ducks in a row. My spiel down and all that, which I yeah. I forgot until I started again. I'm like, oh, right. I got to organize this. But but, um, you know, the kind of conversation I have is a little different. It's a little more, I don't know where it's going. I don't tend to focus as hard on the book, but sometimes people do ask you, like they're really coming to talk about the book. And I would think you got to learn like how you talk about it because writing, it's one thing. And then like, I don't, I've done like your work's done with it to some degree. I, you, you probably don't want to talk. Maybe you don't want to talk about it. Like I already want well, to get to the Well, it's a hard book. question. Like when somebody's like, what's the book about? Oh, That's the one that gets me. And I was like, I wrote a whole blog about it, like my yeah. elevator pitch. Yeah. And it was like four, you know, actually about eight different ways at it, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. I actually had to read, before I had a good elevator pitch, I had to read like, 10 good reviews of my book by other right. people right. because my way into the book is so different. I mean, my way into the book is how my characters feel. Like I get, I write fiction by, I guess it would be method acting. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I yeah. Get I get inside my characters and I see how they feel. And no. that's not a way of talking about no. the book from no. the outside. And also like when you talk about the, when you have your elevator pitch, you're removing all subtlety. You know, yeah, you know, and you're almost making a you. You know what it is? You have to become a marketer. You're you're yes. mark. You yes. have to have marketing language about your own yeah. work, and you know I can eventually do get around to doing that, and I can do it for other people, but it's really hard to do it. For it's myself. much harder to do it for yourself. I'm in. I I spend time with writers at writers conferences, and I teach I teach about writing and dealing with the. I need to come to a conference and talk to you. Well, I can I deal with the psychological challenges of being a writer, particularly around marketing. And I was teaching one on pitching, pitching. I don't know if you ever pitched, but they had to, but this is a big conference. And it occurred to me while I was teaching, teaching the pitching thing that if you've written a novel, you have read a novel, you've read a lot of novels, and then you sit down to write one. If you write poetry, you've read a bunch of poems, and then you write a poem. But if you have to write a query letter, you have never read one in your life. But if you're having to write a pitch, I can guarantee you, you've never read one. So it's almost like you're having to write in a form that you are totally unfamiliar with. And yes. you are the worst one to write it. You are the worst. You could talk passionately about your book, but you have no idea how to describe it. It's so typical of a writer. It is. You are right. And so do you advise people to actually- I do. I, I teach them how to break it down. Like, what is the what does your protagonist want? Why can't they have it? I'm actually, yeah. what's his name? 
Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin, who I think is a brilliant at writing true stories. I just think he takes very big, challenging stories, breaks them down. And he was doing a master class my wife was listening to where he said, look, at core, it's always what does your character want and why can't they get it? Like there's so, so much of story is that at core. And if you can, and for pitching it, that's a great question. Now, you didn't work that way. You just thought characters, feelings, what's going on. And then eventually that probably rose up, but it didn't start there. I can that's all over this book and yeah, that's okay yeah, and that's it's, okay it's, it's much more organic it's a different kind of book too it's not yeah. the hero's journey no, no this book is not it's a much more feminine book than you, you don't think you don't think the hero's journey applies as much to women as it does to men really it did it did to me when i was younger it did to me when i was younger maybe it's just a young and person's journey more than anything else i think it's more of a young person's journey and i think both men and women as they get older I think the journey story changes. Is a little, yeah. Yeah. The story changes. I think it's more about community. Um, um, it's more about, well, and also the way that plots work, I think for us is a little more spirally. I like, think you're right. I think you're right. Because I think one of the things that happened to us all as we get older is we, I mean, whether it's community or serving or teaching or help, like the, the impulse to go and give back just grows and grows and grows us. But when we're young, it's just like, can I do this? How do you do yeah, that? And it's like, I will do this. I will achieve. What, yeah, what do right. I want? Right. So, yeah, I think it becomes a different. And I think that was part of why I had trouble with this book. Uh, you would you not believe the, the drawings I made of this book, trying to like find like, I was trying to like draw diet. In the past, I've always been able to draw diagrams yeah. of my books. And when I have trouble, I'll, I'll turn to kind of tools, you know. And this book would not behave. It just wouldn't yeah. behave and it wouldn't shape itself. It wouldn't shape itself into that kind of plot. Oh, and God. so, you just know, and, and listening to you, I'm, I'm having like acid flashbacks to <laughs> I'd be lost. It's of, like, of whatever you know, you're writing right now. Yeah, it just, it just the, that feeling of like, what is this thing? How do we do it? How do we get it to work? Oh, but you found it. You found yeah, it. Yeah, and but it was, you know, I had you you're gonna laugh. I, I actually went back while writing this. I mean, I banged my head against the wall. I, you know, I'd go out and take care of somebody who's dying, like my mother, and then right. I would come back and try to write. And it was even worse, you know, like um, it wouldn't it there was no straight line of plot, there was no three acts form. Right, right. And, and I, you know, I just kind of grabbed oh, and I went and I read. I read everybody's book about how to write. I didn't. You, you I went back did. and read Ben Percy. I mean, I've written five books. I went back and read everybody's book. Did it about help? How to write. No, not <laughs> at all. I would write the book. I would try to draw the new diagrams, and it was a waste of time. Oh. And so, what I needed to do is like search the old soul, you know, yeah. search the old soul and figure out. Okay, I'm a little bit of an old soul now. You know, I'm 60, 61, and you know. I had to figure out like what matters to me, what matters desperately to me. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. these care just, and it took me again, back to the characters. And that's where for fiction writers, you know, or for literary fiction writers, it's just got to be about go, re, when, you, when in doubt, return to the characters. If you love them and care desperately about them, they're the ones who are going to guide you yeah, forward. Yeah. You know? Well, even it was actually uh, um, 
Ray Bradbury of all people who said, I don't have plots. He said, a plot, it's just the footprints. I think some the footprints my characters leave in the snow as they chase their passions, I think was his description Ooh, of a story. Yeah. That's but, nice. but yeah, he was, you know, he was an unusual character in the in you know, the he really, you know, he what really, I mean, what a soul. I know what a soulful guy that he Ray was. Bradbury. He was an original yeah. guy, but he really believed just in the character. And I think that's one of the that it's sort of until you've done it to understand how characters have their own mind, that they're their own, that you're listening to them and following them. It's a hard thing to understand if you haven't done it because, well, you're the author, you're in the room. How could you be listening? But that's really what's happening. Mystical though it sounds. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I mean, every, you know, every work of fiction that is completed is a miracle. You know, I tell this to my students, Everybody who writes to me asking for a blurb, right? Oh, you know, I got to tell them I may not be able to blurb your book, but I appreciate that it is a right. miracle that yeah. you finished it, that you made meaning, you made meaning out of thin air, you know, right. you made meaning out of words, and what a miracle! And yeah, Ray Bradbury, I mean, such an exception. You know, there's a there's a book there's a book of stories written. I have a I have a story I wrote for him oh. in a book, a book, I can't remember now this minute what the name of it is, but uh, apparently he, he was dying when they were putting together this book and that somebody actually read my story a lot. Really? Yeah. And it was such an honor. And he said, he said something nice, like, oh, she sure can write or something, you know, but I mean, he was on his deathbed. Right, you know? right. But well, what a guy. Is but you know he really served his characters and that's why in some ways he's a little bit different most science fiction writers are really writing ideas yeah and yeah. he really was celebrating character I, I mean as well as ideas yeah. he was celebrating but i well i sensed i was I, I was drawn to him i wasn't that i was really into fantasy fiction when i was a kid and then and and ray bradbury i couldn't really do science fiction but oh, I ray yeah. bradbury because he, he just there was something different giddy app to what he was doing that i really loved well, I could talk to you for a long time, Bonnie. I have a music lesson I got to go to. So I got to I got to I got to end this, but I'm not quite done with you, you lovely person. I'm not quite done with you. Again, hits the waters. People, it's such an unusual book. Beautiful book. Oh, get it. Go get it. Buy it, read it, enjoy it. But as I said, I'm not done with you. I got one more question. And what I want you to do is finish this sentence. If writing all the writing you've done over your long life has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh. It's taught me how rich this all is. Uh, you know, I mean, the richness of what we're given in this short life. I mean, it's short. I know. It's short. And here, you know, I'm 61. I know. I'm, I got a quarter of it left. And it's so rich. And it would be so easy to waste it. But my characters and my you know my characters and 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 even the struggle to write has just taught me the, about it just teaches me what a gift this is and so not not to not to waste a minute of it if possible i like it i like it don't waste it people fill it with something you love bonnie bonnie it was great to meet you great to talk great to you great to meet you
she did sound a little bit like she was in a fishbowl, but it was okay. It was okay. It was, wasn't that great? It all matters. It's rich. It is. It's rich. Every moment of it. So good for her. Good for you. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks to my producer, RJ Jeffries. And listen, you know, like I said, at the end of that little conversation, anticipating what was to come. It's rich. So go sink your teeth in. Go find something you love to do. And then do it. 